want to take off my bra. (laughs) (laughs) You can do that if you want. My home is your home. Get comfy. We'd like to remind you that the information contained within this podcast reflects our own personal opinions and should not be held as any kind of official recommendation. That's right. This podcast is for our own purposes. It's educational mm-hmm. and, and for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Edutainment, if you will. <laughs> We're just a couple yahoos with master's degrees, and this isn't a professional capacity. So if as you're listening to an episode, you feel that maybe you need help with your own mental health, please do contact your own doctor or a therapist. And finally, we try to stay pretty clean with this podcast, but sometimes we slip up and sometimes we just talk about weird stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> it might be not safe for work. You'd probably better listen with headphones. Hello and welcome to Freudian Sips, the podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. I always want to do that part differently, the I'm Bonnie part. Like, I want to have a different inflection like or something. or something. But I don't know how. I don't, like, I'm Bonnie. <laughs> that's, that's it, that explosive that's, way? Yeah, that's not good. I'm Bonnie. I am Bonnie. <laughs> I don't know, sipsters. I might well, have to have some, you know, yeah. You need how to like mom introduce herself? <laughs> Bonjour. Bon, bonjour. Je suis bonnie. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. I've actually been doing Duolingo French. I don't know if I told you that. No. Um, je suis fatigue. I am tired. <laughs> je suis très fatigue. I am very tired. <laughs> I do remember un peu. <laughs> What's that? A little. Oh, a little. Un peu. Okay. Francais. I just don't. I had this in Spanish, too, and I took Spanish in high school, where I don't feel like my mouth just makes the correct different language noises. I <laughs> feel get, like I sound you too got an, American. You got an American mouth. Je suis Anna. <laughs> <laughs> That's like how it sounds. Well, just, right. Yeah, because truly French-speaking people do that. Like, yeah. it's very... Very liquid. Yeah. Liquid, that's a good word. Mm-hmm. Fluidy. Yeah. Ooh, fluid. You can't, yeah. can't make my blocky little Lego mouth do that. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. We no. should do a language episode, though. We should. We should. I don't know what it would be about. But, but... like learning languages and neuroplasticity and stuff. Ooh, brain stuff. Brain stuff, baby. Okay. We haven't done good brain stuff in a while. That's true. That's true. Sipsters weigh in. How can mom <laughs> introduce herself and also should we do more brain stuff? <laughs> Also, how have you been? Just send us an email and yeah. tell us how you've been, Sipsters. Yeah, how are you? Freudiansipspod at gmail.com. How are you doing? Or Snapchat or whatever. Tweet us at Freudiansipspod. <laughs> you could send a carrier pigeon to you Bonnie. You could send a smoke signal <laughs> to tell us how you're doing. <laughs> we would like to know how you are doing. What episode are we on today, We're my dear on daughter? 110. Ooh, that's kind of a nice even number. It's fun. Uh, yeah, I'm excited 110. for 110 and 111 just because it's 111 and one, that's one, neat. One. I like that. One, one. Yeah. I'm excited about this topic today, actually. So yeah, what are we... We don't have any pre-roll or anything. Let's just get no. to it. What are okay. we talking about today? Today we are going to talk about parenting styles. Yes. da 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 that's my excited sound. Very good. I think it's because I, I'm pretty excited about being a parent. That's like the most important part of my that life. That's a very important part of your identity. Yes, it is. And also, as a therapist, 
a lot of time is spent on the idea of parenting. Dude, as I was researching for this episode, I was like, <laughs> I was like highlighting clients, like parents' yeah. names in my yeah. in my little mental Rolodex. Like, mm-hmm. this is so them. So yeah, this is once you start hearing about the parenting styles and being able to kind of categorize them, it is easy to like look at your friends and look at your own parenting styles if you're a parent and go, oh yeah, I do that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's not only like if you are a parent, you think about what style you are and maybe if you want to change that style after Mm -hmm. hearing some of the things we share in this episode, but also to look back at the way your parents did it and how that has affected you now. Yes. And I would say too that as we start into this episode to remember that all of us as parents, those of us who are parents and have ever been parents, we're only human. So nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. And so it is difficult when you start to analyze your own parenting style if you're a parent because mm-hmm. you very quickly become very self-critical aware. and very like oh my aware. gosh yeah so I kind of wanted to give that and I do think it's important to note as we go into this we're going to kind of have a sway toward one of the styles that we talk about but there's no like one correct for everyone's style of parenting mm-hmm. and so a lot depends on the parents and the kids and the dynamics of the family and everything so it's not like we're going to be saying this in all situations is the best way to handle this parenting situation mm-hmm. because it's not and we can't know that. But <laughs> that being, that being said, said, there's some things you really shouldn't there do. There are some definite <laughs> pros and cons to certain styles. So a lot of the research that I did, Anna, and maybe you're on the same page, just had four main parenting styles that we look at in psychology. The big four. We have to credit Diana Baumrind here. Did that name come up in your... Yes. I didn't actually read a lot about her. This is not... I'm not going to... Sorry, Diana. I'm not going to do like a whole biography thing like I do. But maybe we could do a show on her. That would be cool. But she was like a pioneer of parenting research and she came up with these four parenting styles. She actually just originally came up with three. Right. The three that she came up with were authoritative, authoritarian, and permissive. Mm-hmm. That kind of existed on a spectrum of like from permissive to and then authoritative in the middle and then authoritarian. I'm sorry, I have a bone to pick with Diana right here. I understand that authoritative and authoritarian are the correct like words for that. But it's hard to keep it's them separate. It's so hard. <laughs> I know it's like she should have thought a nickname for one of them. Yeah, find a synonym, girl, because this is confusing. So yeah, those exist on kind of a spectrum. And then later research added the fourth type, uninvolved. Okay. So we're going to break all those down and kind of... Tell you about each one and and, uh, what that looks like and then how that affects a person's personality and the way they handle the world. Yeah. So we can kind of break these down and then kind of figure out which order we want to talk about them and I guess with like I kind of look at it as a graph with like two axes Mm -hmm. so one of those like four quadrant graphs Mm -hmm. where one axis is warmth and the other is control so you can have like high control low control high warmth low warmth wow you are so deep dude I'm a visual learner I like to have graphs I like to have charts So which one, mom, do you want to talk about first? I think we should talk about authoritarian first. Because to me, that's the one that's, well, like you said, and she even said that it's like at the end of the spectrum. I would call this one high control and low warmth. Exactly. On the little graphy graph. So sipsters, you might want to draw a little graphy graph of your own. (laughs) You might want to participate in this episode by drawing a little graphy graph. Okay, so tell them again how to draw the graphy graph. Yeah, so... I didn't. And we're going to call it a graphy graph. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, this wait a minute. Is, uh, Was the X the X is the horizontal line? The X. Uh-huh. Mom's eyes are getting big because I'm talking oh, I about hate this crap. <laughs> <laughs> so when you set up the graph, the horizontal line is warmth. So then on the right is high warmth, on the left is low warmth. And then the up and down one is control. Up, high control, down, low control. So right. this one... Like positive and negative. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this one, authoritarian, is going to be in the high control. So up and then low warmth. So left. So the upper left mm-hmm. is where that's going to go. Okay. I need to draw it now, I guess. Yeah, you draw it. And that way you can help the sipsters to be getting getting with it. <laughs> getting with getting it, sipsters. So may I jump in? Jump in and tell us about authoritarian. Authoritarian. So I'm getting a lot of of this that I'm sharing with you right now from verywellfamily.com. I will link that and several of the other ones that we grab stuff from on our website. So I'm going to try to start doing that more where I put like a actual like references on the website. So if you want to look wow. more into this and like we'll kind of add things in if we find like cool videos or something. But if you go to freudiansipspod.com and then go to the episodes page and then go to that particular episode, you there should find references. Anna's getting fancy schmancy up in here. We're going to try right. to be legit and source things and cite things. <laughs> okay. Anna will get right on that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Okay, so when I think of this kind of parenting, I I have to admit that I have a negative bias. Authoritarian parents are the ones who kind of feel like kids, you know, the old saying, kids should be seen and not heard. The parents make the rules and the kids just follow it. And there's no explaining why there's that rule. Right. The army drill sergeant image came up several times Mm. while I was researching this Mm -hmm. one. It's all about discipline and obedience is really big and just very, very strict adherence to rules. But like you said, yeah, the rules aren't always fully explained or maybe not explained well enough. The like why is certainly not explained. It's a lot of because I said so. Right. This would be a parent who says because I said so instead of explaining why that's a rule. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> I think the only time I ever said anything kind of like that was like, well, because God made yeah. it that way. <laughs> when you when you got upset when I, with me asking why a thousand times, right. you were like, it's just, that's the way it is. That was like the end of the road. I don't know. You that's the way God made it. And just picture God. mom like so tired, <laughs> like her eyes like closed. Like, I don't know. God made it that way. Oh, please, please just go, go to, to bed. <laughs> You're going to be getting a lot of glimpses into Bonnie as a parent and Anna as a kid in this episode, I think. Yeah, I think that's what this one's going to kind of be about. So the kids' opinions don't really matter to this parent. They don't want that verbal give and take with kids. They just want kids to shut up and do what they're told. Right. And you have to think of their kind of discipline being punishment heavy. Like that's the kind of discipline that they would use. Yes. And so children who grew up in that kind of environment do tend to follow rules a lot of the time or they go way the other way and they rebel and say, I'm not going to follow any of the rules. Yeah, I saw a 2012 research study from the University of New Hampshire that said that kids who grow up in this type of parenting style, like this type of household, don't see their parents as legitimate authority figures. Uh-huh. So that being the whole bent of the parenting style, eventually the kids stop taking it seriously right. because that's a way to rebel. So I, I think that that's not surprising at all. And I'm not surprised to hear that they either fall very strongly on one side 
right. the spectrum. So those kids who are still following all the rules and, and very caught up in that, as they become adults are at much higher risk of having all kinds of self-esteem problems because their opinion was never valued. Their yeah. parents basically told them they didn't matter in what they thought or their theories about things. So oftentimes that's linked to having authoritarian parents when mm-hmm. you're struggling with your own self-worth, basically. Yeah, one of the things that can also be a problem here is because, like, that's how it's interpreted as, like, there's a withdrawal of love and a withdrawal of, like, genuine care because you're being treated like a prop in your parents' life. Right, right. And that can be really harmful to a kid growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, the research shows that sometimes this also causes more hostility or anger in a person, which makes sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. If they're not ever listening to you. And there is more likelihood that the punishment might have been corporal punishment. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they've learned that, you know, when somebody does something wrong, it turns kind of physical. And mm-hmm. so that can raise all kinds of problems in a child and then later on in an adult. One other thing that, that was mentioned was <laughs> the idea that these children become good at lying. Mm-hmm. Because they know they're going to be strictly punished and therefore they get really good. I've worked with several kids like that, adolescents, Mm -hmm. who just know how to skirt around the rules because they've had to because they've grown up in a really strict household. Exactly. They just get better at doing what they're not supposed to do. So from what I could find, it is about, I mean, control is huge, like just wanting to control the kid's behavior. And often that's done, like you said, through punishments. Oh, hey, listen to our last episode if you want more about punishments. We talk about that there. Um, But it can also happen through like shaming, so like verbal shaming, and even the withdrawal of love, like the withholding, yeah. Yes, like withholding of love, withholding of affection. And also they tend to have really high, parents tend to have really high expectations. So it's not just that they want their kids to like meet these standards and follow these rules, but these rules and standards are usually really hard to meet. Mm -hmm. And then the kids get punished for not not meeting them and often not even just like not meeting the standards or straight up misbehavior but also like mistakes mistakes fall in that category right and so unfortunately then there's that other we go back to the parents not really wanting to explain because they're not feeling like kids deserve that verbal give and take Mm -hmm. that they don't even explain what the kid did wrong so there's a lot of overlap here of these you know kind of patterns that authoritarian parents tend to establish that really get unhealthy really quick exactly So if we have to give like a little pinch of positivity into Mm -hmm. this, hopefully some of those authoritarian parents are doing it because they want what's best for their kids and they somehow feel, which is probably because maybe they were parented that way or they've done research that shows, oh, you have to be really strict with your kids. Mm -hmm. Hopefully there are some authoritarian parents who have good intentions. Yes, at least, hopefully. Hopefully. But if you're listening to that and you're like, well, that's what I do with my kids. Like, of course, we're very strong punishment. Of course, this. You you might want to just consider how that is affecting your children. Or if you are a child Mm -hmm. of, of that kind of parenting, to then think about how it is affecting you as a parent or just as a person in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which one next? Hmm. Okay. Okay. Let's go down on the graph. So that means low warmth, low control. What do you think that one is? Low warmth, that's the one that's neglectful or yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. uninvolved is it's the way they uninvolved. say it. uninvolved. When you do research on that one, you will see it used sometimes. They do say neglectful. Yeah, which is apt. 
Yeah, so uninvolved. Because yes, unfortunately, this one is basically neglect. Again, that maybe is not always with malintent. I'll talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. But these parents don't usually spend a lot of time with their kids. They don't really know what their kids are doing. There's not usually a lot of rules in the house, but kids also aren't getting much like guidance or nurturing either. It's not like they're being given free range and doing it in a healthy way. Exactly. They're being given free range because the parent is not around and maybe doesn't care. Doesn't want to get involved. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And unfortunately, there are times where the parent isn't involved because of situations outside of their control. So it could be mental health issues. It could be substance abuse. It could just be being overwhelmed with life and paying mm -hmm. bills and managing a house and maybe working several jobs. Uh -huh. I mean, even with the best of intentions, right? there's that inability to be there. But also, like you kind of said, like doesn't want to be involved. It could just be that sometimes these parents just think, I don't need to help them because they're going to be better off without me helping them, right. basically. Right. And that could kind of verge into a lot of the other stuff, the mental health stuff or the substance abuse stuff. But it could just be a genuine like that. That is what I think is best for my kid. Mm -hmm. The examples that I found were like, okay, you have no idea if your child has completed their homework and it doesn't particularly matter to you if they have completed right. their homework. Ugh. Or this example that I found is wild. This is from Healthline. That'll be on the resources stuff to the reference stuff too. Uh, you leave your four-year-old in a car while you shop in the mall. <gasps> don't do that. Don't and guys, don't do, do that. that. <laughs> That's so scary. That one's upsetting. That's so scary, yeah. So the effects on kids, obviously, are not going to be very good. Actually, these usually have the worst outcomes of the bunch. Out of all the styles that we're going to talk about, these kids, unfortunately, turn out the worst. They're um, just unmoored. They don't That's know exactly how to, right. Without yeah. that structure and without the warmth even to kind of be, either fill one. in that gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without either of those, these kids are probably going to act out. They're going to struggle to form connections with people. So that overlaps a lot with attachment stuff like we've talked about in the past. Um, they're going to rank lower in happiness, in self-esteem. Research published in 2019 in the Journal of Child and Family Studies found that children of neglectful parents often have trouble controlling their emotions, are likely to be depressed, have academic challenges, like they don't perform well in school. It's very hard to do that without any kind of structure. They have difficulty with social relationships. Like I said, they can't really make those connections because without that they warmth, don't know how. They don't know what that looks <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, they're usually antisocial. They're usually anxious. They're, it just, it's, they struggle with every part of it. Unfortunately, this is one I've seen in my kiddos too that I've worked with. So absolutely, I was just thinking that within the last week, literally within the last week, I've seen two different adolescents who each said in almost the same words, "I don't really have a mom." Oh, I don't. That one said, my heart. "Yeah, she's not really my mom," and the other one said, "I don't really have a mom." But it was the same, very same scenario, very similar for the two of them, that they have parents who are basically caught up in other things and don't attend to them at all, you know, and they have never really built a relationship with their child, which is very that is sad. So sad. I, that's really hard because I've worked in like school settings before, and I think mm -hmm. that's one of the hardest parts for me. And there were, luckily at my last agency that I worked at, I, I was pretty blessed because I was working under a grant program where those families could come in to me if the families were willing to do it. I had a couple who came in with their kiddos. Not a lot though, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in a lot of situations, especially if you work in schools, you can't do that. You can't do family therapy. And that makes it really hard because you can't do a whole lot of work and then just have to send the kiddo back. Right. 
That is that's that's got to be my most frustrating point of working with children and adolescents. Yeah, especially in those situations, which is many times when a parent brings their child in, whether it's a ten-year-old or a fifteen-year-old or seven-year-old, and says they have X, Y, Z going on depression anxiety Mm -hmm. blah 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 school bye yeah i'll be back in an hour yeah and they leave and then if you even do somewhere along the line say you know we need to do family therapy then they look at you like that's not what i signed up for Mm -hmm. i wanted you to just fix the kid you know i mean they don't ever say that how do you think they got this way uh, it is so frustrating it's like they think they exist in a vacuum Uh uh-huh like things are happening that built this kid in this way. Right. We right. need to address those things. But people don't want to admit that they might be part of the problem sometimes. Right. Exactly. And there's a big disconnect there. That is well, so hard. and if they happen to be one of those very uninvolved parents, they don't want to take the time to come to therapy. Yeah. They don't want to take their own stuff going on. You know, I've got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. So. So Anna, as as we were doing research, you know, my brain, of course, was constantly going like, was that the kind of parent I was? Is was that, that my the kind style? Of, yeah. Was that mine? And so I, I think have you can to safely say. I can safely say the warmth part was always there for me. Ding, ding, ding. But I do know that there were times when I wasn't as involved as I wish I could have been because I was working too many jobs. Yes. You had to keep the household afloat. Yeah. And I feel terrible about that now. But I, I also can be somewhat forgiving of myself because when I look back on it, I, I don't know what else I could have done. And you know? honestly, I don't ever look back at my own childhood as going like, my mom wasn't ever there. Because you know what? We often hung out at your jobs with you. That's true. You were a <laughs> teacher and we would hang out in your classroom yeah. and you taught karate and we would hang out in your dojang. <laughs> so true. like we were usually with you. We were still hanging out. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Doing our own homework in like the desks of your classroom while you graded papers. I was just telling Anna a few weeks ago about when I worked at a church when she was just a toddler and I we would we <laughs> I was had to there too. we had to walk through the sanctuary to get to my office and every time we'd walk through the sanctuary Anna would run up and do a little flip on the it wasn't a Catholic church so it wasn't a communion rail but it was like a railing like, like a railing that. in front yeah. of the altar and, and you would go running up there and do a little <laughs> spin around flip on it and be like hello Jesus we're in your sanctuary doing flips <laughs> listen. If I'm coming into God's house, I'm treating it like a bouncy house, baby. God wants me to have fun in here. God was probably like, that's why I put that railing there. And that's the only kid who gets it. Oh, finally. Anna's using her flip railing. I made it just for her. I believe that about God. He would want us to be doing flips in his house. I think, I think, yeah. So just for the record, Anna, I'm sorry for the times that I was not <laughs> okay, very I, involved. I do not ever think of you in that way when okay, I look whoosh, back on my childhood. Sipsters, whoosh, whoosh, I got out of that, that one. one off. <sighs> Thank you, God. You weren't authoritarian either. I was going to say, I didn't even <laughs> take a minute off. to think I was authoritarian no. because I was, even when you guys were real little, I was like, what do you think we should do with this? <laughs> I always valued we your always opinion. Had it, yes. You guys were like, I don't know, five <laughs> we, and two, and I was like, it was a, we we led our house by committee. <laughs> <laughs> the three of us against what, the world. Chicken nuggets or mac and cheese tonight? I don't know. <laughs> Let's have a vote. <laughs> Often you've told me this about Gabe that Gabe would like come into whatever room you were in with like his blanket and like a frown on his face. <laughs> Like, it's time to go to bed, mother. (laughs) Mother, it's bedtime. (laughs) And so as adults, my children now often say, do some parenting. (laughs) 
all do some parenting fun. all in love oh yeah <laughs> no okay we'll, we will definitely get to my style here in a moment <laughs> so you did so you did mention warmth that the, the the two we've talked about already were on the low warmth side of the what i call this charty chart a charty graph chart. the anna's charty chart so now we're going no, on did to we say graph anna's graphy graph i think you're right graphy graph so or it could be charty chart if you don't like graphy graphs it could just be <laughs> a graph <laughs> Again, I'm going to punch myself Anna's in the face. drawing of this stuff that we're talking about. So on the right side of the graph, on the high warmth side of the graph, on the high warmth but low control, which one's that, you think? Permissive. Is. Why are, Mom, why are you sighing so? Because <laughs> I might be on this part of the graphy graph charty chart thingy thing. This is, as I was researching, I was like, Mom definitely verged into this one. <laughs> I would, I want to say, oh, I am completely authoritative which we're getting to eventually yeah that's the gold standard a lot of that stuff i did i swear to god i did it but but then i thought about how i bought gabe all the legos during the divorce years we well and and yes we've talked about how that was maybe just some compensation (laughs) things happening y'all had your computers and kind of did you were pretty permissive with the computers and in 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 fairness fairness, we were growing up in the wild west of the early internet age and there was no way to regulate that we didn't know that you had to regulate to be quite it, a, it was really, like, it we don't know what's happening here. <laughs> if we got abducted, it was because we didn't know that we weren't supposed to give our direct <laughs> address out to any right, schmo right. on the internet. But I do think, like you said, the permissive, and which I guess we should at some point explain what it is, but you verged into the permissive more because of what I would say is exhaustion. <laughs> like, yeah. And like, it was often because you were, you know, if you were being more permissive with us, it's because you were trying to manage the household and work three jobs and all that right, stuff. Right. Yeah. There will be some things about it that I'll say, I don't think I did that. Like that, like one of the things is that there might be rules in the house, but you just never really enforce those rules. Yes. I would have to say there are certain rules that I enforced. Oh, yeah. I, I also know there were rules that evolved as you aged well, is, and we would like talk about it do. and be like, that doesn't really make sense anymore. And that's kind of where we go into like, again, when you look at like authoritarian parents, they're not going to want to sit down with their kids at the table and hash out rules and say, mm-hmm. does this rule not work? Let's compromise on this rule. Like they're just not going to do that. Right. And we'll talk in a second about how authoritative See, I'm doing it again. It's hard. Authoritative parents do that. But like, that's where the difference is. And just being able to like, let rules evolve. I keep going back to one of my adolescent clients that I'm working with. And she is very frustrated. She's an older teenager. And she's very frustrated because her mom is very strict and won't compromise on any of those rules. Even as this kid kind of, what I would say, ages out of some of those rules. Like she does have kind of an early bedtime. And she does have kind of more, you know, structures on her internet usage than maybe her peers do. Which again, it's not like I can say are bad things. Right. But I think that parents need to at least be some measure willing to hear their kids out about why those rules might have to change. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, like, you know, I joke about us being a committee, but you always did that with us. You were always, like, you were evaluating us as we were at Mm -hmm. the time and evolving as needed. Mm -hmm. One of the other things that struck me was that permissive parents don't really give out consequences or punishments. And I have to be honest and say... 
You they were very <laughs> few times because, and we've talked about this. We were too good at kids. I don't mean, I know all parents think that, but honestly. We were perfect little my angels. My kids never got detentions at school. They, I never, ever once got a call from a teacher that said either your kid's misbehaving or your kid's not doing their work. I didn't have any of that, you guys. I was so blessed. God was like, Bonnie can only handle really good kids. <laughs> give Let's her the give two her best these. angels we'll take that got. one and that one. Yep, yep, yep. Those yeah. would be perfect. And like, I mean, I never snuck out of the house because I didn't want to leave the house. Right. I didn't want to go right. anywhere. As teenagers, and they never went out partying. They didn't break <laughs> curfew. We didn't really ever talk about curfew because I never they wanted to leave the house. And Gabe <laughs> didn't really. Either. I think Gabe hung out with friends much more than I did, but it was still it, definitely like was, I'll be home at this yeah, time. They, and you were like, yeah. "Cool, get home yeah. safe," and that was that. Yeah. So I didn't and. In fairness, this was kind of before cell phones got real big, you know, when at certain ages, for you especially. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to worry about, did I have to give my kids a cell phone when they were four years old or right. whatever? That is hard. Because there are definite benefits of, like, your kids being able to, you know, especially if you are one of these parents with the styles where you have a really good relationship with your kids and they will call you if they're in trouble or something. Right. So right. there are benefits, but gosh, there's downsides. Right. So you're a permissive parent if it's kind of more like you're just your kid's friend instead of their parent, which is kind of funny. Ding, ding, ding. You get this one. Uh-huh. Yeah. This. But because even now, Sipsters, I got to tell you that even now with my adult children, sometimes I specifically say to them, I know we're best friends, <laughs> but if you need me to be a parent, <laughs> I am still your mom. I am she still your mom. She does remind me that she's my mom right. often. Once in a while, I got to remind my kids because we are... And in fairness, our friendship now is very different than it was when they were kids, yeah. obviously. Yeah, like, they I weren't mean, like my best friends when they were kids. Like when I'm talking about you, I like very openly call you my best friend. <laughs> yeah, my mom is my best friend. Like that's a thing that I will say to anyone who will listen. Oh, you don't make me cry. Yeah, I get little true. tears in my eyes Aww. right there. <laughs> tears right where you would get a teardrop <laughs> tattoo if you kill the man in prison. <laughs> uh, it's a little to the side so it means i'm crying because my child loves me You're very this close would be killing someone this is my child loves me very close very close tears <laughs> but so. i i don't think i don't think i would have that kind of safe relationship with you if there if you were like totally permissive because i think that's that like on the control scale Kids need some measure of control and structure. Their parents to provide that measure of control and structure to trust that their parents can like take care of them. So right. I think the permissive parents where that does verge into harmful and kind of the the parts where this can go wrong, let's say, mm-hmm. is the low control and then that not being a really structured environment for kids that need that structure as they grow. Exactly. Actually, according to Baumrind, I hope I'm saying her name right. Diana, if I'm not saying her name right, tell me. But yeah. <laughs> send us an email, Diana. It's <laughs> at gmail.com, Diana. If, if Sipsters, if any of you know Diana, if she's <laughs> if not like, listening. That is not how you say her <laughs> name. Like, oh, email me. It's fine. Diana's I will name. apologize. I will. But according to Diana, permissive parents are responsive to their children, but not demanding. And because they don't expect mature behavior from their children, the children can struggle to set limits for themselves. So again, there's that like, if there's not structure, kids don't know how to set their own structure without at least seeing a model of that that the parents give. Right. 
On the positive side, this can help kids become more self-sufficient and independent, often because they kind of need to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And on the downside, it can contribute to kind of poor self-regulation. So I would, in my defensiveness about being a permissive parent, (laughs) I would put this defensiveness in that I do think that I expected you guys to behave at school. You know, like I made it clear. I think I made it clear about respecting people, respecting each other, respecting me, respecting Yeah, it was always about treating people well. With kindness. Yeah. So I do think that you can be... I know I'm just defending myself. I don't care about y'all. <laughs> I'm Listen, myself. what I did as this a parent is, is correct, me, and okay? here's why. <laughs> no, I totally didn't screw it up, and here's why. That's what I was saying. That the standards, that there is structure in that you set certain standards. Well, and what's funny about this, Anna, because I was thinking about the idea of, you know, you don't set standards, you don't have rules. Because one of the biggest things that you and I, this is, we've been sharing all kinds of personal stuff. So this is another one, is that I did very much, you know, I put a lot of religiosity Mm -hmm. on you guys because I was very into that as my career and my, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I think most of the structure ritual came from that. Right. So that would not be a permissive parent. I mean, that's kind of, but the weird thing is that's kind of what's caused the most, you know, like in me personally, as a parent, like, I wish I would have handled that a little differently. Mm. So it's interesting. Well, and that's hard, too. And again, that kind of goes back to the idea of parents as people, mm-hmm. where even if you are maybe an older parent when you have kids or acquire kids, however you get your kids, mm-hmm. like, you still, you're gonna grow up and have experiences and look back on the way you parented before and go, oof, could have done that better. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be those times. And and not like any... and. When we talk about these parenting styles, like it is kind of hard to have a very consistent parenting style when you're the parent of a toddler and you're really exhausted all the time and and everything like that. So it's not like we're saying mistakes are going to ruin your child forever because you're going to make mistakes. That's part of being a person and Mm -hmm. parents are people. So, you know, if you do a couple of these things, it's not like that's going to ruin your kid. All we're saying is be aware of how you're parenting your kid. (laughs) Right, exactly. So the effects on the kids uh, Mm -hmm. from permissive parents, these kids are probably going to be pretty used to getting all they want and might expect that outside of the household. And that can lead to a bit of um, entitled feelings, selfish feelings. However, they also might probably have higher self-esteem because their parents did provide them a lot of that warmth. But since they're not given those high expectations at home, like I said, they might have time kind of making structure for themselves. So that means they might have a hard time putting effort into school. Oh, I don't think we talked about this. Kids of authoritarian parents are more likely to be bullies. Like they are more likely to bully other kids. That makes sense. Because in a way, they're kind of being bullied. Well, I was going to say that's kind of just that like, uh, oh, what's it called? You're better with those than I am. Where the guy gets yelled at by his boss, so he goes home and yells at his wife. Is that projection? No. Displacement? (gasps) That might be it. It might be displacement. That one sounds right. So we're going to go with that. And if it's wrong, Freud can haunt me. Go ahead, old man. And he will because he listens to this podcast. Listener of the the show. Great beyond. (laughs) He does. It's named after him. Of course he's going to listen. Yes. So the so authoritarian kids are going to be bullies, but kids of permissive households are more likely to be victims of bullies. Oh, okay. So probably I would say because of like that boundary assertiveness thing, like mm. a little too squishy, I guess. I yeah, don't know. Exactly. 
per a 2016 study, once kids of permissive parents get to college, they have higher stress um, and they were less likely to be mentally healthy because of the stuff that we're talking about, the structure stuff and the kind of ex maybe expecting things to be handed to them stuff and just not really being prepared for the world, not, yeah, basically. Yeah, they had all that taken care of by somebody. Yeah, they, they don't really have great decision-making and responsibility. Um, there might be more impulsiveness, a lack of independence and personal responsibility, and higher anxiety and depression. So again, there's benefits. Like on some level, you want to be friends with your kids. You want your kids to love you and trust you. You want to love and trust I your kids. So. I hope so too. But there does need to be some structure. That's a good thing. So mm -hmm. with that in mind, let's go. Oh, let's fill out our graphy graph. What's the last thing? So it's going to be high warmth and high control. That's the authoritative one. Yes. And this is what I want to be. This is the one I want to be. This is the be. gold standard. Mm -hmm. This is the one that originally when Diana created her first three, she saw it as a spectrum with authoritarian on one side, permissive on the other, and then this one, authoritarian authoritative as the balance between the them basically mix. the That's perfect right. mix yes mm -hmm. so so this is definitely the one that she advocated for as being the best one of the bunch right so in this one if your kid asks you why there's a certain rule you try to explain to them why that rule is important yep. where, it, where it came from now that being said you don't just keep talking and keep talking and keep talking and keep talking because then you go into the permissive area right. where it's like you're just trying to rationalize to the kid and probably eventually they'll talk you out of the rule anyway. You yeah. Know? You, you do explain it to them, but I there think, are limits Yeah, to in that. this one, the parent still ends up being the authority in the situation. Right, but like, they're giving explanation, which yes. is important. Yes, and, and again, it, it adds to the kid's feeling of agency in the situation that even right. if they can't change the rule, at least they understand the rule and that's important when you're a kid and there's not a lot of control in your life anyway that's really true yeah and so kind of going along with that the parents have clear boundaries and expectations but they also allow their kids the freedom to make choices and make mistakes and those are seen as an opportunity to learn and grow not something to be punished you know if your kid knocks over a soda it's an opportunity to say, okay, let me show you how to clean up this. Like, instead of, oh my gosh, you knocked over a soda, I'm going to smack you in the face. Yeah. Go to your room for an hour. Go to your room for an hour, exactly. So there is that that balance between nurturing and warmth and discipline and responsibility. There does have to be both. Right. I like the idea that people who grow up with this type of parenting are more likely to have deeper empathy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's an important thing because... <laughs> We talk about that every once in a while on the podcast about empathy and how important that is. But I've worked so much with kids in therapy on that. So often kids who come in with behavior issues, they really just, they have no empathy. Yeah. They don't, they, no one ever taught them how to have empathy. Because you do have to do that. Like, right. I do think that just like with any kind of temperament, mm -hmm. some people are going to be more likely predisposed to that. Like just as a natural trait, that kind of nature nurture thing. But <laughs> there's a lot that we have to like teach kids to like care about other people. Absolutely. I know it's a thing we don't think about having to teach kids, but kids morality is weird. <laughs> and you have to <laughs> you have to kind of keep a firm hand on the fact that they need to care about other people. That's exactly right. What um, else can we say about authoritative? <laughs> authoritative. I'm telling you, we need to find a better name. We should look up synonyms for authoritative. Usually kids from these homes, from authoritative homes, I have to say it like that every time, 
from authoritative homes will be confident, happy, successful. Usually they'll be able to make their own decisions and set their own high expectations for themselves because they have had parents that have allowed them to do that. So see, that's why I think that's the kind of parent I am. Oh, I would say you were an authoritative like mm, 70 to 80 percent of the time. I'll take it. I'll take it. And then I slipped 20 a little to 30 was permissive. Okay. I'll take 75 to 80. That's a pretty good number. Uh, yeah, yeah, Sometimes okay you gotta that. be permissive just to kind of like <laughs> let go of control a little and just have your own little night. That's okay. <laughs> and again, this is one of those times where like you you could do that because hey, if you needed a, a night where you were just like by yourself in the bathroom taking a bath, me and Gabe could fend for ourselves. It's fine. <laughs> Make your own chicken nuggets. We could handle that. <laughs> Are you looking up synonyms? I am, but they're not very good. Commanding, decisive. I was going to say. Dominating, imposing. See, I would would qualify that as more authoritarian. Assertive. I do like assertive. Confident. Assertive parenting seems right. Yeah, because it's not aggressive. Right. Right. But it's direct and... Dependable is one of them, which I don't really think is... And it doesn't begin oh. with or authority. Right. <laughs> That's the most also, important They part. also have authentic. No. <laughs> no, yeah, I like that. Okay, Diana, hit us up. We think we fixed <laughs> We think your we thing. need to change your words. <laughs> we fixed your graphograph. <laughs> Call us. So uh, authoritative... What was the word we are going to use? Authoritative. Assertive. Assertive parents. We're adding that without permission. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's our own thing now. We're going to make our own paper. They're the kind. <laughs> they're the kind of parents who kind of put the energy in before a problem hits. Mm. You know, like they think ahead the and they have. Yeah, one of the things that I was just talking to a client this week about was to sit down with her children and set out some consequences for behaviors that she thinks might be coming up. Oh, interesting. Because yeah. she said, you know, I just we've been kind of standing with our toes on the edge of this and our toes on the edge of that. And I said, do you have consequences for those kind of situations? And she looked at me like. Oh my God, no! And I mm. said, I think you know, it <laughs> best start working might on those. Have a family meeting and At talk least, about. Yeah, well, like, and that kind of takes away the burden, especially when kids get a bit older. It gives them the agency to like think about what kind of consequences are appropriate for that right and challenges them a little bit and also it takes some of the burden off just the parent of having to figure that out for themselves like to make it a more communal effort i think is a good arrangement for both parties Mm -hmm. exactly i agree i want to put a note in a little bit here so okay so those are the main four but i did find some information about some other ones and uh, this kind of sounds a little bit also like free range parenting did you read about that at all yeah yeah that sounds a lot like authoritative but kind of a little bit more permissive it's Mm -hmm. like like one of the examples i saw was like you know letting your kid explore the playground and stuff while you like sit by the side and don't interfere too much Mm -hmm. like so kind of just giving them a little bit of a longer leash yeah to like explore why did that come to my head oh because sometimes on Pinterest, I just like pin parenting things when they come across. Not often, but sometimes there's some cool stuff. One of the things I saw on Pinterest was like as a way to kind of speak to kids as they're learning, instead of just being like, hey, don't do that. Be mm. like, hey, what's your plan for if this happens? Ah. So like if your kid's running through a creek and is about to jump on a slippery rock, do, like instead of saying, don't jump on that rock, say, What hey, might happen? Right. Hey, <laughs> let's think about this for a second. What's your plan if you... Just eat shit in the creek. (laughs) Make wise choices. Make wise choices. Oh, I heard that a lot too. (laughs) 
that's a big one growing up too. It's kind of free rangey, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Make wise yeah. choices. Yeah, yeah. You're trusting us to know what that is. <laughs> Make wise choices, mom. What's a wise choice? And you're like, you'll figure it out. Yeah. I got things to do. <laughs> you're smart, kids. <laughs> Trial and error, kiddo. Bye. <laughs> I'm ouch. just kidding. She did not ouch. do that. Ouch. She did not do that for legal purposes. She did not parent <laughs> us like that. Okay. Did you have some other weird um, outliers? Yeah, a couple ones. Um, another one's attachment style. Did you? Read I didn't. That? I didn't read that one at all. So attachment style is very child centric and often involves a lot of physical attachment, um, creating a really safe and secure environment for the child. So this all sounds kosher so far, right? Warm, warm, warm. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. But it's it usually involves a lot of physical contact, like holding them a lot, co-sleeping for extended periods of time, like several years maybe. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm working with one of my clients right now on stopping co-sleeping with her, like, I want to say he's four, four-year-old. And how I've had to like explain to her, like, you are not getting good sleep. Oh, sweetie. I have a client who co-slept until the kids were like 10. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And Parents, more than one kid. You're not getting good sleep no. if you do that. And probably neither is your kid. Right. And like, if you're in a relationship, you and your partner are not having any grown-up time. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. That's one of the main cons of this uh-huh. is that it can be all-consuming. Like right. where you end up giving a lot of yourself to your child. And yes, that's great. It's because you're trying to nurture them. That's awesome. But this includes sacrificing your alone time. It includes sacrificing your time with your friends and your partner. Like you said, right. there's no privacy. Right. And co-sleeping can lead to SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. Mm-hmm. So rethink co-sleeping perhaps. There's a lot of good reasons to just like let the kid not be in your bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay. So so yeah, the the attachment, I would call this kind of overly attached. That's the attachment style. Right. So then right away, my defensiveness comes up like, but what if my little one has a nightmare and climbs well, into bed with me? And that was so, one of the like examples it gave. Right. So I'm like, I would do that. And there was one that said, oh, it, it, you're, a, you're an attachment style parent. If when your kid cries, you go over to them automatically and like go pick them up. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to do that I'm when gonna, I have a kid. I did that when you were little. Yeah. There's but, this, um, did you ever watch Reba, the show Reba? Yeah, I loved that show. Yeah, Reba was a single mom who works too hard, <laughs> loves a kid and love, never stops. Yeah, 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 that's her. Sure, there's this episode where... I was you know waiting. that just a little bit too well. I was waiting for... I used to love that show. I was waiting for the Reba copyright claim to come in. But there was this episode where her, her daughter, who it's very early in the show, she gets pregnant very young and, mm-hmm. and like they move back teenager. in with Reba. Mm-hmm. And so the kid is a baby and is like, she finds her, her daughter sitting outside the baby's room, just like the baby's wailing inside. And the mm-hmm. daughter's crying too. And mm-hmm. Reba like sits down and is like talking to her about it. And she's like what do you want to do right now? And the daughter's like, I want to go hug my baby. And she's like, then go hug your baby. Like, it's okay to go do that. Because mm-hmm. she had, there was that, that had been the whole plot of the episode of like, well, it's better if you don't pick them Everybody up and you was just given, let them cry yeah, it out yeah. and all this. And, and like, just 
it's okay to just go give that warmth to your baby. Mm-hmm. I would say err on the side of too much warmth <laughs> if you have to err on either side. I would agree with that. So I think, you know, this, it is kind of hard to find faults in attachment style because actually there was a 2010 study that found that kids who get this type of parenting tend to be more independent and resilient and empathetic. There's that empathetic thing coming up and they usually are less stressed and better able to control their emotions. So, I mean, there's a lot, but Hmm. that is at the expense of the parent giving up i would say too much of themselves right so we can we can find those balances balance yes that's what i was thinking when you were talking before about having your kids sleep in your bed when they have a nightmare that's okay it's balance it's just don't do that just don't do it every night yes exactly Mm -hmm. and then the other one that is also kind of more attached uh is helicopter parenting and this is, I think, where we're going to end it because I think this one's the most in the lexicon. We've, yeah, we've really heard that name, haven't yes, we? Yes, helicopter parenting. There's a whole Black Mirror episode about like the dangers of helicopter parenting. Cell phone bad and too much parent bad. <laughs> and, and yeah, this is the one that's in the public consciousness. So this is when the parent tries to orchestrate or even control like every aspect of their kids' lives. Mm-hmm. And again, this is a little hard to find too much fault with because it's usually out of love and concern. It can just go too far. Right. So they might offer continuous guidance or just jump in to solve their kids' problems. So obviously these kids are going to grow up with a real lack of being able to do that themselves, a lack of problem-solving skills, a lack of independence. And there's a lot of danger that comes with that when they're going off into the real world because helicopter parents want to protect them from the real world. They want to not expose their kids to any of that bad stuff and make all the choices for them so they don't get exposed to that. But the harsh reality of the world is eventually we're going to get exposed to bad stuff mm-hmm. and we need that cloth monkey to be able to explore yeah, it. That's a very good way to say it. <laughs> we need to be able to have that safe, we call it in psychology, a safe base of exploration mm-hmm. where we need a loving, supportive, structured parent right. who we feel safe to like go to if something goes wrong, but but that we can then go back out into the world and explore more. Mm-hmm. You were always that. Aw. You were. I was the cloth monkey. You were so the cloth monkey. <laughs> you were the wire and cloth monkeys all in one Frankensteinian combination. Aww, thanks, <laughs> I just kind of want to circle all the way back to the beginning about how there's so much in therapy that has to do about parenting, whether it's mm-hmm. a parent's worried about how they're parenting their kids or they're living through things because of their parents or they're feeling regret because they didn't parent a certain way or their kids are acting out and they don't know how to parent and there the relationship between parents and children are is like a core thing Mm. and (laughs) it, it gets pretty scary when you have adult children and they start to verbalize very clearly the things that had effects on them we've had you and i have had some hard conversations about about some things that and i know i've said that to you too of like most of those things are just mistakes or things Mm -hmm. that you truly at the time thought were what's best Mm -hmm. and that's really hard it's hard to find fault with that but as people as we grow up we have to be able to look back and see that even if our parents really loved us and really tried we have to be able to understand how things in our childhood affected us right that's part of that self-awareness piece that we always talk about Mm -hmm. Um, we need to be able to confront those maybe down and dirty parts 
Right. And we might need to reprogram some of those things. We Mm -hmm. might need to see them and reprogram them. But I think it goes both ways. To not be too hard on either your parents or yourself as a parent. Not Mm -hmm. be too hard on yourself or them. Whichever direction you're looking. Right. Because you really do usually do the best you can. Mm -hmm. The other side of that is to be able to forgive your parents if you have things that you need to forgive them for. And to forgive yourself as a parent if you feel like you fell short or are falling short. And own up to that with your kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that goes such a huge way. I think a lot of parents are really reluctant to do that because it's like seen as kind of like showing weakness and showing... Mm -hmm oh, I'm not the authority. But we have to look back at that study back in the authoritarian section where those kids don't really see their parents as authority anyway. Right. So if you're going so far that direction that you're not even willing to admit when you make a mistake and own up to it, because honestly, that's modeling for those kids too. Mm -hmm. Your kids are going to look at you as a model of when you mess up, how do you handle it? That's exactly right. And as parents, we need to be able to say, I messed up. And if I messed up to you, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So that's important too, to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. I just today was working with a client on writing a letter to her adult son. Mm asking for forgiveness for some things that she doesn't think she handled very well in his childhood. But then what we're hoping to get to eventually is her to forgive herself. Mm, Yeah. But she needs to first ask him for forgiveness and to apologize. And like you said, take responsibility. Right. For the things. That's going to go a long way toward her forgiving herself. Right. Exactly. Internalizing that. Right. Okay. That was a lot. That was a lot. But it was good. I think it was I, good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good content, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being a perfect child so I didn't have to ever discipline you. You're so welcome. <laughs> you're so welcome. Thanks for being a perfect mommy so I turned out great. Oh, oh you're so welcome. <laughs> the voice of a woman who uh, believes it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me thank the sipsters. How's that? I know. I know. Thank you for being my mommy. You did a really good job. It was really hard, I think, to be a mommy in your conditions, and you did. In my conditions, <laughs> we are talked- you talking about my mental health here? <laughs> no, I'm talking you know about it. your ex-husband's <laughs> mental health. And we had a hard biological father, and you handled that situation honestly better than anyone could have. I Aww, think. Yeah, that's a very sweet thing to say, Anna. You're welcome. Oh, sipsters, there's my little tear again. <laughs> she has three teardrops. I'm now. gonna have to have the tattoo right <laughs> She's there. She's killed three men. <laughs> Well, I, like I said, God gave me the two best kids in the whole world because, you know, I, I hear other parents talking about kids and think, I don't think my kids ever did that. I don't think they ever did that. Mm. Maybe that was because I was looking the other way, being like, <laughs> you, you were being permissive and we were <laughs> flipping on the Jesus rail or whatever yeah. behind your back. But it all turned out okay. It did. And Sipsters, Ian and I really love each other. We have a great yeah. relationship. Yeah. And I highly recommend being a little permissive with your kids. A little sometimes. permissive. <laughs> have some structure. Give them a little permissiveness. I don't know. Loosen the leash a few times. But I love how Anna said, if you're going to err, err on the side of warmth. Just love your kids. Love them. Yeah. And do what's best for them as as best you can do. Mm-hmm. So, Because when we look at the little graphy graph, the, the two where we did kind of rag on them the most were the ones on the low warmth side. Right. We right. had at least positive stuff to say about assertive... Mm-hmm. and permissive right so i i think that there is a distinct difference and the difference is that at least on one side of the graph you are showing consistent 
warmth and affection to your child. Right. And that's important. That's good for kids' brains. Yes. (laughs) Okay, now you can thank them. Now can I thank them? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So thank you so much, Sipsters, for being with us for this episode 110 about parenting. And we encourage you to just maybe think about some of the things that we talked about and work on your own self-awareness. We're always talking about that and our balance. And how it applies to your own life, all of that good stuff. Exactly. We just thank you for joining us and invite you to join us again next time. Yes, thank you so much for listening. Um, Like I said before, if you want to read the articles that we kind of got some of our information from, they will be on freudiansipspod.com and you can go to the episode page and look at that. Um, Otherwise, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're Freudian Sips Pod on all of those. If you want to get a hold of us directly, if you want to email us about how you're doing... Please do. FreudianSipsPod at gmail.com is where you can send that. Please remember to leave us a nice rating and a review wherever you are listening, if you can do that. And our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this. Mm-hmm.